Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Numa. I'm your host, Daniel Finnerin. Thank you for joining me. Mindfulness for the thinking mind. Here on Numa, that's precisely what you will find. If you feel that this content stimulates your thinking and nourishes your soul, or is just plain nice and relaxing to listen to, please do consider subscribing to this humble little channel of mine. Your support and your friendship will help it to grow. Crown this episode with a like, share it with family and friends, and join me as we pursue the good life together. The great thinker to whom this episode owes its inspiration is Blaise Pascal. Born at Clermont in the Auvergne section of France in the year 1623, Pascal quickly revealed himself to be a mathematical prodigy. Before his 18th birthday, he had written treatises on conic sections and projective geometry. He had openly challenged the authority of Aristotle and René Descartes, to whom every scientifically literate man unquestioningly deferred. And, for good measure, he invented one of the world's first mechanical calculators, the Pascaline, upon whose ingenious design modern calculators are based. Pascal's precocity was balanced by an early death. He died in 1662, just shy of his 40th year. By an unlikely turn of events, Pascal became acquainted with Jansenism, an offshoot of Catholicism into which many aspects of Calvinism were mixed. It was during this religious phase of his life that Pascal wrote his Pensées, his thoughts. He intended to compile and arrange his thoughts into a full-length book, but, sadly, fate intervened. He died before he could organize and publish them as he had hoped. The following quote and the centerpiece of this meditation is from Pascal's Pensées. The section in which it's found is entitled Misery of Man Without 
God. It's number 147, if you're inclined to read it for yourself. Now, before you tune out upon hearing the utterance of the word God, I'll have you know that these lines are for all of us. They speak to the heart of every man and woman, regardless of the deity in whom he does or doesn't believe. You needn't be a Christian to understand and feel their truth. You need only be a human. That said, here's the quote. I'll first read it in full, and then we can discuss it. We do not content ourselves with the life we have in ourselves and in our own being. We desire to live an imaginary life in the mind of others. And for this purpose, we endeavor to shine. We labor unceasingly to adorn and preserve this imaginary existence and neglect the real. And if we possess calmness, or generosity, or truthfulness, we are eager to make it known so as to attach these virtues to that imaginary existence. We would rather separate them from ourselves to join them to it. And we would willingly be cowards in order to acquire the reputation of being brave. He would be infamous who would not die to preserve his honor. I ask you, is that not a profound insight about the nature of man, about the nature of you? We do not content ourselves with the life we have in ourselves and in our own being. And what other life is there, I ask, but that which we possess in ourselves? This is our spiritual life, that to which constant attention and solicitous care should be paid. In that which is in our own being, our personhood, our physical body. What else is there besides? With this, our real existence, our true selves, we are, for some reason, discontent. Do you feel this way? Tell me, my friend, are you discontented with the life you have 
in yourself and in your own being. Do you occasionally wish that your life were different, perhaps radically different? Would you like to be someone else entirely? The truth is, ultimately, the decision to be content or discontent rests within you, solely within you. Neither is a state of being into which you're coerced. To neither are you enslaved. While you might find yourself trapped in a disagreeable situation, while the gods may have suddenly withdrawn from you their divine favor, no one but you can make yourself discontent. And... Likewise, no one but you can make yourself content. The power resides in you alone. About this point, the Stoics, with whom we've dealt in prior episodes, were emphatic. Returning to Pascal, he says, we desire to live an imaginary life in the mind of others, and for this purpose we endeavor to shine. How perfectly stated. Does that not sum up concisely and eloquently our current social life, our current unease? We desire to live an imaginary life in the mind of others. To this end, we reject reality. It's too uncomfortable. It's too unglamorous. It's too stubborn. It doesn't readily bend to our fancy and isn't easily manipulated by our will. We desire, instead, to live an imaginary life. Over this kind of life, we are completely sovereign. We have total control. We can make of it whatever we choose. But that's not enough. No. We want to live this fake existence in the mind of others. To live this life, this Imaginary life for ourselves is fun. But we are, as Aristotle says, political animals. By our nature, we're social creatures. We seek the applause and the adulation of our neighbors, of our friends, of our countrymen. Better than is it for us to involve others in the fiction? We want others to think that it's true. Of course, way back in the 17th century, Instagram didn't exist. Nevertheless, Pascal 
recognized this universal truth about humankind. Now, in the age of social media, it's even more obvious. Is not Instagram precisely the kind of platform on which we all gather to broadcast our imaginary lives? I suppose Facebook, Snapchat, and TikTok are similar. We meticulously apply filters to our faces, behind which reality is like the sun during an eclipse, totally obscured. This is no bother, however, so long as others, your followers, namely, think that it's real. We don't endeavor to shine for nobler reasons. Courage, honor, and wisdom aren't desirable in themselves. Rather, we endeavor to shine to be thought shiny, to be thought impressive and estimable by others, even if we are not. Is this true of you? Be honest. When you post a picture on Instagram, for example, are you chiefly concerned with how it will be received by others? Do you hope, above all else, that your followers, upon looking at it, judge your life happy, your situation enviable, and your being good? Returning to Pascal, he says, We labor unceasingly to adorn and preserve this imaginary existence and neglect the real. Once we succeed at creating this imaginary existence and, with any luck, implanting it in the mind of others, we work tirelessly to preserve it. We must keep up the appearance. We mustn't allow its luster to dim. The facade must remain unblemished and shiny. We're at pains to prevent even the tiniest crack from forming in it, through which the unflattering reality of our real being might leak out. And as we commit all our attention to this imaginary existence, our real existence, the only one that matters in the end, is neglected. Why pay it any mind when you're busy painting an ornate but ultimately false picture? It's as though a beautiful flower in your garden, of which an artist has been hired to make a sketch, is left to wither while you marvel at the drawing. You neglect the real and, instead, turn your attention to the image, a cheap copy of an original in which the truth inheres. 
Connect this to your own life. Do you expend more effort in trying to embellish your profile, in trying always to look good in the eyes of others, in trying to be liked by others? Has this negatively affected your relationship with your true self? Returning to Pascal. And if we possess calmness or generosity or truthfulness, we are eager to make it known so as to attach these virtues to that imaginary existence. Thus, the preservation of the imaginary existence becomes a top priority. Everything good about us, all our best virtues, all our finest attributes are ultimately in service to the fantastic lie. If you're not careful, in time, the imaginary existence will consume the real. Pascal says, we would rather separate them, our virtues, from ourselves to join them to it, our imaginary existence. And we would willingly be cowards in order to acquire the reputation of being brave. How about that? So long as we acquire the mere reputation of being brave in the mind of others, we would gladly be cowards in reality. The actual possession of courage doesn't really matter. So long as others think us brave, well, that's quite enough. Frankly, we should prefer the opposite. We should care little for being thought cowardly, so long as, in earnest, we are courageous. On that note, we've reached the conclusion of this episode. Did you find it insightful? Have you taken Pascal's immortal words to heart? Was this at all helpful or beneficial? I certainly hope so. And I can tell you that it was helpful for me. As we part in the final moments that remain to us, I offer this advice. Live not in the mind of others. Try your very best to be a good, honorable, virtuous person, and worry not how you'll be perceived. Don't waste your time building and decorating an imaginary life, an imaginary self. Strengthen and enrich and adorn 
your real existence. Become a better person in earnest. Prefer not the sketch to the flower, the picture to that which it mimics and represents. A mere copy of nature is always less sublime than the original, than nature herself. Thank you again for joining me on this meditation. I'm Daniel Finnerin. From Numa, I bid thee farewell.